I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Have you ever tried to figure out someone's true intentions? Have you ever been suspicious of, you know, the intentions behind their behavior? Have you ever asked yourself, yeah, but what do they really want? Covert narcissists hide their true intentions. You can feel this when you talk to them. Something just doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't feel genuine and everything they do or say has a hidden agenda. Well, what is that agenda? What are their true intentions? And we're going to talk about that today. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. So what are the true intentions of a covert narcissistic person? Well, these intentions of theirs are things like to rely on others to build them up, to build their self-esteem and their ego, to earn compliments and recognition, to gain admiration and the feeling of being important, to confirm that they are better or higher in status than you, to create confusion in others so that they can maintain their superior confidence over your obvious inferiority, to win your apologies and continue to boost their superiority, to validate that they are a good person. And they get all of this from the people around them. This is their true intentions. This is what they gain from these, these conversations that they have and the things that they say in the circular conversations. You know, how do we know this? The circular conversations are one of the strongest signs of the true intentions of a covert narcissist. You see, they don't really care about whatever started the argument in the first place. I mean, think about it. What are some of the arguments that you have had that have led into a circular conversation with a covert narcissist? What are the topics? You know, is it, you know, you borrowed their stapler and forgot to put it back? Is it a conversation over toothpaste? Is it a conversation over a grocery item? Is it a conversation over, you know, a TV channel, a TV commercial, things that just don't matter? I'm going to show you how this played out in one of my own personal examples. You know, they don't really care about whatever started the argument in the first place, but they certainly care about winning, proving you wrong, showing their superiority, and so on, because these are the things that feed their actual intentions. So I asked my, hus my husband one time to buy a certain kind of sandwich meat for our boys, um, to, to quit buying a kind that he had been buying and to buy a different kind, because they didn't like it. There was there, He had been buying a certain kind of meat, and it was not one that they liked. And so I knew I had to ask him, you know, hey, can you quit buying that meat? Because he always, this one particular store he liked to go to, he always bought their meat for sandwich, for lunches, school lunches. And I knew that this is going to lead to a horrible conversation. And sure enough, it did. This circular conversation started. 
You know, things like, well, they liked it a week ago. What's wrong with that meat? It's fine. They should eat it anyways. And then he would say things like, well, when I was young, I didn't get to pick. And all of this just manipulating the conversation, again, making me feel bad like always. And then he would say, you know, you never like anything I do. They never like anything I do. It's just because I bought it that it's a problem. And on and on and on it went. Within this conversation, he brought up how no one appreciates how much work he does for all of us. No one's thankful that he goes to the store. And he just makes this big deal about how much work he does to get this sandwich meat for the boys. And they should just be appreciative. Well, what am I saying in this conversation? I'm saying things like, well, you're right. There's nothing wrong with the meat. You know, you didn't do anything wrong. And I, here I am boosting his ego and his victim mentality. And and I want to say, well, they didn't like it last week. They only ate, ate it to keep, to keep you happy. But of course, I can't say that. And so I just, I say, well, they would just prefer the other kind. You know, um, I do like it. And so, you know, I do like the things you do and I'll eat it. It isn't because of you. I am grateful that you're stopping at the store and getting this meat and you're just so wonderful. And thank you for being so helping. And I'm sorry that I even said anything at all and all of this. So I'm just constantly feeding his fuel. At the end of the day, does he really care what kind of meat he buys? No. Is that really the issue at hand? No. He doesn't care about the meat. How do I know this? Because he will buy the other kind of meat and never even remember that this conversation happened. He's bought the other kind of meat many times before. I'm not even sure he's aware of which meat he's buying at the time. He just picks one up. But if I try to talk to him about it, and you know, if I do try to talk to him about it, Later, he'll just downplay it and he'll make small of it like it's no big deal. So I know at the end of the day, he doesn't care about the meat. He doesn't care. Then why the huge reaction when I talk to him about the meat? What are his intentions behind this conversation? Why at this particular moment does he care so much that this is a big deal and a huge problem? Well, his true intentions in this circular conversation are to get built up, to be pampered and kissed up to, to put me back in that position of building him up once again. Because as soon as he goes into that, well, you nobody cares what I do and all the help I do. As soon as he does that, I'm right back into that fix-it mode. I'm right back into boosting his ego again. And baby, we do like how much you do here. I do appreciate And I'm once again saying those same words to him. I am now telling him how wonderful he is and how great it is that he stops at the store like I'm the biggest cheerleader in the world. Even though I stop at the store nearly every day for our family and nobody, you know, thanks me, I don't care that nobody thanks me, but here I am having to thank him and make a big deal out of this. So grateful for his help and, and all the many thoughtful things that he does. And I'm telling him how wonderful he is and that his boys really appreciate it and on and on. I spend all this energy boosting him up. For years, I did not even realize that this was his intention. I never caught into this. And I look back at our marriage now and I see so many of these conversations over these little stupid things. And yet we would spend hours in these circles. We would get to a point of some form of like some form of resolution, like some form of middle ground. And I'd be pleased thinking, okay, thank God. Now we can move on. And yet he'd say something that would put us right back in the thick of it. He would say something that would go right back into that victim mode and focused on his hurt feelings and waiting for me to boost him up again. And we just kept looping back to that. 
this would go on and on and on. And I realize now that this is because there's not enough supply in the world to fill his bottomless pit of despair and that attitude of woe is me. This would have continued to my grave. This was going to go on until I put a stop to it. I had to take charge of how much of this I was going to put up with. In a healthy marriage, this event, you know, if you can call it that, it's an event that I had told him, you know, hey, don't buy this kind of meat. This event would be a nothing. It would go something like, you know, hey, honey, can you buy the other kind of meat for the boys' lunches? And the other person, the healthy person says, sure, no problem. And you say, okay, thanks. And that's it. This is short and simple. And they don't even remember that these conversations even happened. I have many clients that I work with who tell me, you know, their experiences when they're with a new partner. This is after they've gotten out of the relationship with the covert narcissist. And now they're with a healthy person. And they have a disagreement or even, I mean, you can't even call it a disagreement. It's just a difference of opinion. And they often tell me, you know, as soon as a difference of opinion comes up, that that energy expecting the shoe to fall, you know, expecting there to be a big problem that creeps back inside of them and, and their guard goes up and, and they're just expecting this to be a big blow up. And they're shocked that the partner's just okay with it. They're okay with the fact that the opinions don't line up and their own heart is racing and they would cautiously say, hey, I kind of don't like that meat thinking the partner's about to blow up with them and the partner says, oh, no worries. I, I didn't know that, but that's fine. I won't get it next time. And it's a nothing. I often have to tell them, you know, that the first time, I, I often have them tell me that the first time this happens in a new relationship, they giggle out loud at the relief that they feel. I've heard that from so many of them. They didn't know that relationships could be this easy. I want you to think back to the circular conversations that you've had. How did it start? What was it over? What was the topic? You know, at the beginning, I realized that it changes. Did your partner actually care about, you know, the whatever that started the argument? Did they actually care about it? Or did they continue the circular conversation just to get more supply from you? That feeling of superiority, that showing their confidence and they confuse you just to show that that you're the weaker one and they're the stronger one. You know, or they win your apologies and your affection. Covert narcissistic abuse is incredibly hard to pick up on. They mask those true intentions, what they actually want from the relationship. It's so incredibly hard for the target to recognize this, to see it, because it is so hidden. In fact, many covert narcissists don't even see their own intentions themselves. They deny it so well that they believe it themselves. They will take the smallest and simplest thing and use it as a weapon against you. They will use it as that opportunity to use you. Another way that they can get fuel from you. You are being violated. You are being used. And they will take any opportunity that they see and latch onto it as another time for them to get that fuel from you. The intention of their relationship is to use you for supply, to gain validation from you, to boost their ego, to feel better about themselves, to manipulate your emotions, using them against you so that they can be in control and they can have the power in the relationship. 
What are the visible things we see? You know, we often do see those breadcrumbs, the loving things, the learned actions and behaviors, the, the mask that's on them, the words and attitudes. But these are not in alignment with the invisible aspects, their true intentions, and thus the feelings that you experience in your interactions with them. Things just don't line up. I hold to the belief that this person loves me and cares about me, but yet I feel so bad and hurt around them. I hear this all the time. It's the confusion that victims go through is, you know, they say that they love me. They, they say these sweet things about me. They tell others how wonderful I am, but yet I feel so drained and exhausted around them. I feel worthless and I feel, you know, helpless. Of course, that's what happens. Of course you feel drained. You are trying to fill a bottomless pit. The covert narcissist is extremely good at faking empathy. They are so incredibly good at pretending to be the person that the victim wants them to be. They are so good at convincing you of their sincerity. But everything about the relationship is manipulation. Even the covert narcissist does not realize this. They think that love means, you know, I, I do these things for you and you do these things for me. It's, it's a calculation. It's a transaction. That's how they think. And we feel other people's attitudes and their actions. When, when somebody behaves towards you in whatever way they behave towards you, we feel their energy. We feel something that's coming from them. And when you start feeling unsettled about how you're being treated, you need to listen to this. You are feeling their energy. You are feeling their intentions. If they have a demeaning and bullying attitude, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel pushed or forced or, or manipulated in some way. But yet we hold on to the belief that this is a loving and caring relationship. Victims often believe that this person is their teammate and is actually looking out for them. But the actions of the abuser are controlling and manipulative. That's cognitive dissonance at its best. Like if you haven't read into that and, and researched into that, please do. Cognitive dissonance is when your belief in the goodness of this person does not match how you feel around them. And so you are left in a very confused state. Victims of covert narcissism often do not realize how they are being affected. They have the words of the abuser. They have how they feel in the relationship. And like I said, these two do not line up, but they are too close to see it. It's like standing with your nose up against a stained glass window and all you can see is one small pane of it. You have no idea what the big picture is. You can't see that big picture until you start stepping away from it. And the further back you get, finally the picture comes into focus and now you can see what the picture is on the stained glass window. Victims are often right on the edge of taking all the blame. You're right on the edge of feeling guilty for any issue that happens and it takes so little to push them over that edge. The slightest nudge would send me into a waterfall of self-blame, self-doubt, self-destruction, um, full on fix it mode. I, I got this. I'm going to fix this. And I was full on I engaged, pouring all of my energy into, you know, fixing this and making him feel better and finding that peaceful place again. Another confusing aspect of all of this is how deniable the covert narcissist makes things out to be. 
The true nature of the, the abuse is not only extremely hidden, but also incredibly deniable. A covert narcissist can easily excuse their actions away. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't say that on purpose. I was only kidding. You're, you took it the wrong way. And they blow it off with these excuses. And these excuses are just, just enough believable that we take it. I'd rather continue believing in the goodness of this person and hang on to that little excuse that they just gave me than to face the reality of who I am living with, who I am married to, who I am raising kids with. So what do we do? How do we deal with all of this? One huge thing you need to do is get to know yourself. Not yourself that's been tap dancing around this abuser, that's been doing all the work and sweeping everything under the rug and beaten down. Not that self. That's the one you created. You know, you, you folded it this way and that way and you contorted yourself this way and that way to match their needs and their desires or their wants or their opinions or whatever. I'm talking about the you that exists underneath all of that. Explore your own thoughts. Identify, in fact, which thoughts are your own and which ones that you have taken on because of your abuser. Your own feelings are simply your body's reactions to your own thoughts. So identifying and changing your thoughts will absolutely change your own feelings. And as soon as you can get a hold of some of your own thoughts about all of this and start to identify who you are again and your beliefs about things and your thoughts about things, your feelings towards this whole relationship will absolutely change. Identify your true views. What is it you value in life? Identify your beliefs and separate these from your abuser's views and beliefs. When you're with a covert narcissist, you have to take on all of their views and beliefs because standing up to them is too costly. What is this other person's, this abuser's words about you? What do they say about you? What are their intentions towards you? How do you feel around this person? These are things you need to be answering. And listen, please listen to how you feel. Many times our thoughts about this person do not line up with how we feel when we are with them. Like I've been saying, this is cognitive dissonance. So please learn to go back and start listening to your own feelings. I offer group coaching sessions that will help with this whole journey. These sessions are incredibly powerful. They're six week long uh, increments and we have a new session beginning May 31st and June 4th. There's a Tuesday session and a Saturday session. These will run for six weeks. Either you can pick between Tuesday mornings or Saturday mornings. And these sessions are so incredibly powerful. Connecting with other victims of all of this, hearing their stories, sharing your story, getting the validation and the clarity that you are seeking. Please join, you know, reach out to me, connect with me so that you can join these sessions. I only take 10 people in any group so that everyone has plenty of time to share their feelings, their thoughts, and, and express whatever they want to express within this safe space uh, within these groups. So please reach out to me. You can find me at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, -E, at covertnarcissism.com. And if you need an email address that does not have the word narcissism in it, my other email address is Renee, R-E-N-E-E, -E, at C-N-G. That stands for Covert Narcissism Group, C-N-G, lifecoaching.com. And if anyone asks what the C-N-G stands for, and you don't want to answer Covert Narcissism Group, the C-N-G stands for Community 
and grace. Because I believe 100% in the power of community for us to heal from all of this. We've got to reach our arms around each other and support each other and validate each other and know that we're not alone. And I believe 100% in the power of grace. Grace that you need to give yourself. You need to forgive yourself for all the things that you've carried, all the blame that you have placed on yourself. That's part of this journey. You've had enough blame. It's time for some grace. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.